So I need a moment to uh, just get my heart right, and I don't know if you're if you're like me, you um, you kind of forget um, to to pause, to stop, and um, until something goes really bad and it makes you stop, <laughs> or something goes really good and it makes you stop, you kind of forget. So today is a, this is a good moment right here at 10:25 on Sunday morning to stop and just go. All right, what just happened this week? What am I doing right now? What am I thinking? What, am I, what priorities are in order um, or lack thereof this morning? And um, just give, your, give a chance this morning for God to speak into your life. He will not speak over the noise. He will not turn up the volume on his voice to match the volume of the stuff going on in your life. That's not the way God works. He, will, he can. He would. He could if he wanted to. But his, he chooses to ask you to turn down the stuff in your life so that you can hear his voice. And so you'll miss it today. No matter how good I am or bad I am, you'll miss it um, if, if you don't uh, turn down the noise in your life. So I'll give you a chance to do that. I'm going to do that as well. You don't want a noisy preacher um, today. Um, so I'm going to do the same thing. Give you a chance, about a minute here, if you're listening online, um, just to, to take a, a deep breath, get your priorities right, and just say this to God. And no matter whatever you believe about God today, um, you can just say this. I'm giving you the next 30 minutes. Say what you need to say, um, and uh, quiet down your life so he can hear you. Let's get our hearts right together. God, we pause to give you back our lives like we ever had them. <laughs> you were in charge always. No matter what we thought we were doing this week, we just had a pretend steering wheel that doesn't really work. We take our next breath because you said okay. And so we would be just stupid not to listen to the one who holds our next breath. So right now, would you help us quiet down the noise in our hearts and turn up the volume from the Creator? At all costs, whatever that means for us. So we lay down the things that take priority over you. And we choose whatever we've chosen this week above you, we choose you right now. And because of your grace and your mercy, we know that you'll speak into our lives. We thank you for that. And we listen. And then we move. We act. We do what we feel compelled to do because of the way you've spoken to us. God, would you be honored by that today in your son's name. Amen. We're in this sermon series called Big Mess. Um, which I can't tell you, uh, th this happens a lot to me, but people will come up afterwards and say, this is the perfect sermon series for what I'm going through right now. You know, very rarely somebody comes up and goes, man, you totally missed the mark. This sermon series is ridiculous. It doesn't fit my life at all. And it's not because I'm so smart, and it's not because I know exactly what's going on in your life. It's because I believe God ordains this time every week, every Sunday morning. God ordains this time. And, and it's not because of our church building. It's not because of the time of day. It's not because of our orange pews, and it's certainly not because of the preacher. 
It's because you have set this part, this side, this time aside to say, God, would you speak into my lives? And by the way, did you know you could do this anytime? You can do this any morning. You can be ready to hear from God at any moment in your life at any time. In fact, that's what he wants most from you. But Sunday mornings are special around here because we all come together to go, okay, this is the moment we're all setting aside time to hear from God. And in the midst of that, he does things, says things, and when I say says things, I don't mean you're going to hear God's voice audibly today, but what I mean is that, that he will say something into your life and into your heart, and it'll come, it'll come in the form of like this moment where you'll go, oh, that's it. That's what I've been missing. Or, oh, that's what this circumstance in my life has been leading me to. And just as you hear it today, you need to know you're going to hear something like that in this sermon today. You're going to hear, if you're listening, now, if you, didn't tune, if you didn't tune out the rest of your stuff and tune up God, you'll probably miss this today. So if you didn't do that, then, then you may miss this. But if you, if you sincerely turn down the junk in your life so you can hear God, you're going to hear something today that makes you go, ah, ouch, or mmm, that's what I've been missing. And when you do it, I, I, I want to warn you right up front, I've been praying for it to happen. Um, so you can, you can blame me a little bit, but it's God that's doing it. And secondly, I want, I want you to know this, that guilt doesn't come from God. So if I say something today that makes you feel guilty, you need to stop it in your head and in your brain. And you can just say, do that with this prayer, God, I know that's not from you. If there's something that I'm about to say today that makes you feel guilt, you need to know that's not from God. Because God doesn't provoke guilt. What God does is he, he may convict you, he may move you, but it always moves you to redemption. It always moves you to do something with it. So if you just feel guilty today, you need to know that doesn't come from God. Okay got that out of the way. Now you're really curious about what I'm going to say, aren't you? <laughs> this sermon about um, the mess is something that uh, is really deep um, in my life right now, and you're going to hear a lot about that today. Um, but the mess, this mess, the messes that we have in our life, no matter what they are, whether they are financial messes, whether they're physical messes, whether they are a mess that somebody else has created and now you have to deal with, um, whether they're a mess that you created a long time ago and you're still paying the consequences for, these messes that we have in our life, they bring us together. They actually, these aren't just little anomalies in our life that God kind of looks the other way at. The messes that we have in our life, the stuff that you have and the stuff that you can point at in other people's lives, this is what brought Jesus to earth. This mess. In fact, one of the most popular scriptures of all time, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the mess... <laughs> God so loved the world and all its messiness that he decided this time not to flood it, not to set it on fire, not to open the earth and swallow all the humans and all the people who have fallen against and moved against him. But he decided this time to send a part of him. He decided this time I'm going down there and I'm going to tell them that grace is available that there is one sacrifice now for everyone, for everyone's mess. And not only that, but now, all you have to do is say yes to God. If you didn't hear that sermon that's last week, you can go out to paraganewlifecc.com and, and hear that last week. All you have to do is say yes to God, and when you do, he promises not to get rid of your messes. In fact, Jesus was real honest about this. I love this. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> There's no question. So if you say yes to Jesus, you need to know you're not saying yes to a, a happy life the rest of your life that you never have to deal with any problems but in the midst of your mess he wants to walk with you we've talked about what that looks like and we've talked about as as believers as people who believe that jesus is who he says he is at least some of the time and we all waver we all come up and down with this um, and the other side of, of faith is doubt and they kind of go back and forth throughout our entire life 
But we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we believe that what he wants for us is to look at other people and not point at their mess. Not be in a situation where we can sit on Facebook or point at each other from a cubicle and say, that mess is a that person is a mess, and that person is a mess. In fact, what we've decided, and some of you have started trying to this already, is when we see a mess in our life, we can say this, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. I know what a mess looks like because I am a mess too. And if this is really something you could say in your heart, if you could really look at somebody in your life, maybe a family member who has messed up, got somebody pregnant too early, financially destroyed their life now they're counting on you if you could really look at a place and go that is a mess and i know a mess because i am one i'm not far from that it'll change who you are but sometimes the messes are just too big this week um actually late or early in the week um last week i went out to the garage and i started smelling something and um, I live on about 40 acres of land, and we fish, and we hunt, and we have lots of meat in the freezer. And, uh, you know where this is going. I walked into the garage. It was 100 degrees, it felt like, you know, and 100% humidity. As soon as I stepped in the garage, I thought, somebody has died. <laughs> you know, you just get that smell and that feeling, where is this? And I start tracing it, and I looked over at our big stand-up freezer where we keep a side of beef. There was a deer in there. Um, not, not a full deer, but processed deer, um, as well as a five-pound bass, my, my son's first five-pound bass that we don't use, we catch and release bass, but it's his first five-pound bass I was going to mount for him for his birthday, and I, I smell all of it at once, and I look down at the freezer, and it's just a trail of yucky, nasty, smelly, bloody grossness coming out of my freezer, and I did what any good husband would do at that moment. I went over, I opened it up, I realized that at some point one of the dogs had knocked the power loose in that freezer maybe a week ago, and I closed that door, and I shut the garage door, and I walked right back into the house. <laughs> and I, I sincerely, I mean, it didn't think, I didn't think, well, I hope Risha runs into that. I've had that in my marriage before. Like, what do you do, you know, when she finds it? I, I didn't do that. I, I wasn't thinking that. What I was thinking is, I'm going to have to tell Risha we're going to have to sell the house. We're just going to have to, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to tell the next people who buy this, you know, it just as is, you know, because we are not, this mess is too big, too nasty, and I'm just not dealing with it. You know what I'm talking about. Every now and then in your life, somebody close to you has a mess like that, and it may not be physical, but it may be so bad that these people that you run into, their mess is so bad that what you really want to do and what your first inclination is to do is just to close the door and back away slowly. How can I cut ties with that person? How can I can pretend I didn't see that? How can I pretend that this isn't my problem and that you made your own bed? We have phrases, don't we? You made your own bed, that's one of the favorite phrases. Well, I want you to know that even though there are some times in your life when the mess is so big, you just want to walk away, there's a better way to do life. And as we talk about the mess today, messes in our lives and the messes of those around us, I want to give you a story that is one of the most popular stories um, in all the Bible. In fact, 
even if you don't know the Bible, you've heard this story. Um, I want to set it up for you first. Jesus is talking to a lawyer, and this happened all the time. Lawyers would come to Jesus, or people who were really, really students of either the Bible or the law. They would come to Jesus, and they would try to trap him, because what they really wanted Jesus to do was look stupid. They wanted to kind of make Jesus look really dumb so that they could look at, go to people and go, see, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This whole love your neighbor thing, this whole love people who hate you thing, that's ridiculous. But So they just came to him one after another, and this lawyer was in an argument with Jesus about what the most important things in all of the world was. And in all of the laws and all of the things that God had said, what is the most important things? And Jesus he says, uh, if you've ever read this, this guy says, Jesus, what's the most important law of all? And, and he knows that, that that's going to put Jesus in a bind, because if Jesus says this one's the most important, then everybody else is going to go, okay, well, now we have an order for what to do these in. And, and, and so he walks to Jesus, and Jesus says, well, very simply, the most important law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Oh boy, he got out of that one, didn't he? <laughs> you know? The people around him are like, okay, yes, love God, that's the biggest thing. Okay, then Jesus, what's the second one? Jesus goes, the second one is just like it. So here's the cool thing. Jesus, the way, in the original language, it wasn't so much that Jesus was saying, this one's first and this was second. What he's saying is, I'm going to tell you one that's second. I'm going to say it's second, but it's exactly the same as the first one. In fact, Jesus is about to tell you a story where you can't do one without the other. He says, you want to know what the most important thing in the world is? The most important thing you can possibly do, all the rules, all the laws, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the, other, and the next one is exactly like it. That means it's tied for first. Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, you can't do one without the other. You can't love God and walk away from the messes that are right in front of you. So this guy still wants to get Jesus. And he says, so who's my neighbor? That's what you're doing right now. Well, okay, so what does he mean by the people that are in my life? What messes am I responsible for that I didn't even make? That's what he wants to know from Jesus. Who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? And Jesus does what Jesus does. Great thing to do with your kids, um, although Jesus will do it, does it a whole lot better than you will. He tells a story. He answers this question with a story. And now this is a story um, that isn't a real story. This is a parable. Um, the parable is a story that Jesus kind of makes up on the spot to give a, a meaning to this thing. So when we get to a parable in the Bible, you should know this. Don't argue about specifics when it comes to parables, okay? Don't sit and argue about the specifics in this story because Jesus made it up on the spot, okay? He could have used any of these specifics. He, the most important thing is the point of the story. And so here's where we're going to get. Jesus says... Um, in reply to this lawyer who's saying, so who's my neighbor? Jesus says, okay, listen to this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, I know what that looks like. I know that route. There's only, it's not like you've got back roads in different ways. There's really only one way to get from Jerusalem to Jericho. Everyone knows that road. When he was attacked by robbers. Now, this happened a lot. Because there was only one road, everybody knows what everybody has to take. So if you tell somebody, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem tomorrow, and you're a rich person, the people around you can go, well, we, only, we know he's only going one direction, <laughs> and we can be there and wait for him. And so this happened a lot. Jesus said he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of all of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. 
Now, I know this sounds like an awful story, and this would be something that would be shocking to you if you walked up on this um, or if you drove up on this. Somebody that had been beaten and robbed um, would be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But honestly, the people that Jesus was talking to would have seen this often or at least a few times in their life. They would have seen somebody who had been robbed and beaten and laying next to the side of the road or somewhere. This was a brutal time to live, and this wasn't a shock to them. It, it might have been akin to a person that's on the side of the road Every day when you go to work, holding a sign, maybe a cardboard, um, somebody who is, feels beaten up, feels broken, feels far, and Jesus says, what would you do? He says, now a priest, and by the way, there's a whole bunch of churchy priests, a priest happened to be going down that same road. Now, if you're listening to the story, you go, yay, a priest came to rescue, right? Now, a priest... His number one job was to, to, to be the, the go-between between God and other people. So his job was to be pure, to be holy, and spent most of his life in religious kinds of ceremonies where he could go between God and people. So the priest has to, has to stop, right? Jesus said a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. He just... Saw the man, he's beaten, he's broken, he's messed up, and I'm going over here. You've done that. So too, a Levite, another church person, this is another religious person, this is somebody who would have been sort of on staff to help those um, who were coming to make sacrifices. Lots of responsibilities at church for a Levite. Um, and a Levite, so now you've got a priest, came by, a Levite, okay, somebody else who is supposed to be representing God. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. Now the crowd's going, ooh, and the priests are going, we got to kill this guy. Next slide. And then Jesus does this thing. I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if what he would have done physically, but I picture it. I'm a filmmaker, and I, this is what I would have the actor do if, if I was shooting this. He gives this smirk. I, I'm sure he does. It's like, all right, here's the point of the story. And he says, now, a Samaritan. Because he's talking to a group of people who don't like Samaritans. Samaritans aren't the heroes of the story ever. Samaritans are the bad guy. Samaritans are the heathens. They are those who seem to have no religion. And if they do have a religion, it's the opposite of what we believe. And so Jesus uses them as the hero. And he says this, now, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him... He took pity on him. And then I, I made those words red. That's not that way in the Bible. I just want you to see this. Verse 34. Jesus says the Samaritan saw the same person that two religious people had seen. Two people who you would think would do the right thing. And the Samaritan, he went to him. And he bandaged his wounds. Pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. Now, denarii, um, this is one of those things you shouldn't argue about because Jesus made up a, a, a phrase right there, just these two denarii. This is about two days' worth of wages, okay? So it would have been plenty to have this man taken care of at the inn for some time. But then Jesus probably, he said two denarii, and then he realized people are writing that down, you know? And he's like, okay, two denarii, 
he gives the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for extra expenses you have. So the idea is, whatever this man needs, I'm taking his mess on myself. Which of these three? Jesus looks back at the lawyer. With a bunch of people around, he looks back at this lawyer who's being argued. Which one of these three you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law, the lawyer, the one looked at Jesus and said, the one who had mercy. He couldn't even say the Samaritan because it made him too mad to utter those words. He said, the one who had mercy. And Jesus looked at everyone around and said, go and do likewise. So if you've been around here long enough, you know where I'm going with this. You know, we, have a, we do a lot of things here at New Life. We do a lot of things at church. We do a lot of things at church. Ch- as Christians, um, that, uh, that kind of segregate us from the rest of the world, from the messes around us. You know how that works. Things that are good. You know, the, the priest and the Levite, it's not as though they were going to do something bad. They were going to do something really good. And I'm sure, you know, Jesus made this story up, but I've been there. I've been the preacher on the way to church when something awful has happened. And my reason is, well, I can fix I can help the one, or I can go with the 150 that are waiting on me to preach to them this morning, right? We can always find a reason. We can always substantiate staying away from the mess, but the posture of a real Jesus follower, you need to know this today, because some of you have been following Jesus for a long time, and you've missed it, and some of you are just trying to decide if you want to follow Jesus. Here's what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about memorizing your Bible. That comes just because you love being around it. It's not about getting up every morning and having a quiet time. That comes because you can't do life without it eventually. But the real posture of a Jesus follower is to move towards the messes around you. Man, it got quiet in here. Because you don't want to. Right? I know you don't. Here's a few reasons that you don't. It's inconvenient, right? It's inconvenient. Get to a point where I got so many things to do, I'm too busy. You know, that person is going to take up so much of my time, so much of my life, that I'm not going to be able to do the things that I have to do, right? (laughs) The priest and the Levite were too busy. The Samaritan chose to move towards the mess. You'll know you're too busy by the way, when messy people are an inconvenience instead of an opportunity to love someone. Does that hurt? Paul, is that stepping on your toes? (laughs) If you come to a point where you're talking to somebody, you're you're seeing something going on and there's so much mess and your your first thought is just anger, like I don't have time for that, you're too busy as Jesus follows. The people who followed Jesus originally moved towards the messes, literally. If, I wish we could see it right now. I wish Jesus had a GPS unit on during those times, you know? I wish you could see it on Google Maps, how Jesus moved, because Jesus went from place to place to place, not where it was convenient, not where it was easy, but he went towards the messes. Hey, there's a guy over there that everybody says is demon-possessed. Jesus goes, where? That way. So, Jesus, we're going that way? <laughs> Nope, this way, guys. 
Hey, Jesus, over there they say there is a woman who is such an awful person (laughs) that they're ready to stone her. They're just like, it's going to happen right now in the street, and if we get our name associated with it, they're going to find out that we're saying things that aren't against them. We, we should go away from there. Jesus goes, where is she? She's that way. This way, boys. Jesus, over and over and over, moved towards the mess. Another reason we don't is because it's just not comfortable. It is uncomfortable. This is my biggest reason. I love my comfort zone. Many of you know I have an anxiety problem, and I love to use that. Well, I can't help this person because they make me anxious. You know? Gosh. We like to stay in our comfort zones. And here's, here's something you need to know today. Your comfort zone is a great place to rejuvenate, to rebuild, to get back to who you're supposed to be. But let me tell you something. You will never meet your best self inside your comfort zone. If your whole life is about being comfortable, you need to know this, you're going to get bored. And by the way, the opposite of boredom is not entertainment. The opposite of boredom is engagement. It's looking God in the face and going, I want to go where you're going. I want to engage in what you're doing in the world. And you know what God's doing in the world? He's moving towards the messes. If you're bored in your faith, you're not following Jesus. Because real following Jesus comes with uncomfortable situations that lead you to energy and excitement. The Christian faith, following Jesus, was never boring. It was a lot of things, but it was never boring. Being a part of your comfort zone and living in your comfort zone is one of the biggest reasons people stop moving towards the messes. One of my biggest reasons is control. If you've been around me very long, you know I like to be in control. I'm a type A person. I'm a business owner. I'm a preacher. I like to be in charge. I like to be in control. And if something's out of control and I'm in the room, I feel like it's my responsibility to be in control. And when, when you move towards the messes, you're not in control. I'll never forget first first month I was at this church. I came in here. I will never forget this as long as I live. I came into this building on a Sunday morning. And Rick Finney was standing at the door. I said, what are you doing, Rick? You want to talk about a guy who moves towards the message. Um, He said, I'm waiting on the cops. I mean, up until now, I'd been at pretty little white churches in the cornfields, you know. I just left a church before I came to this church 10 years ago. I'd left a church of 3,000 people, um, and they were khaki-wearing Mercedes driving, come to church with a mask on your face, people, you know, and that's what I, that's what I was used to, and I came here, and I said, Reese, uh, uh, Rick, what are you doing, and he said, I'm waiting on the cops, and I said, he said, why, I said, well, a couple of our kids um, got in some trouble last night, and um, we, we found some meth in the bathroom here at the church, and I went, what have I got myself into, <laughs> About two weeks later, I ran into to Rick again. and I said, how'd that situation work out? And he goes, what situation? I said, you know, the meth at church? He goes, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, here's a, you forgot about that? How do you forget about that? Well, I'll tell you how you forget about that. That week, one of our kids had tried to commit suicide at school. And Rick had moved on to the next mess. <laughs> he had moved towards the next mess. And I thought again, I got to get out of here. 
This is uncomfortable for me. This is inconvenient for me. And uh, ten years later, I find myself addicted to the mess. Being in control is one of the biggest reasons we like to stay away from the mess. Because you know, if you engage in the messes around you, you're not going to be able to fix the person. You're not going to have an immediate fix. You're not going to have immediate reaction. If you're the kind of person that is tired of going to the messes, and you're almost mad at me this morning because you're going, I've tried this over and over again, and I've done it over and over again, and it has led to nothing but messes in my own life, you need to know something. Maybe you've been doing it wrong. Because here's the beauty of this story. The people in your life that are in messes are not your project. You can't fix them. And you were never supposed to. The job, the job of people who are following Jesus is to move towards the meth, mess, and, or the meth, <laughs> in, this, in this town, to move towards the mess and hang on tight. To walk with the people, to love the people, to live with the people. In some cases, and I've seen this happen over and over, I've seen Bud and Stacy do this, where kids come in, they don't have any advice, they don't have anything to tell them, they're not going to fix them. All I'm going to do is sit here and cry with you and probably hand you a hot dog. And you know what your job is? Cry and hand out hot dogs. It is not your job to fix somebody, and as soon as you think it's your job to fix them, you have lost control of the situation. When you lose control, you move away from the messes. My guess is, and now I know Jesus made up a story, but I resonate with the priest in that story. And my guess is, he has a heart for the person he walked across the street from. The problem is, he has tried to fix too many of them. He has tried to be the savior of them. He's tried to be the one that changes everything in their life, and only God does that. And if you can, this morning, throughout this message, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I want to give you a big deep breath when it comes to the messes in your life. I want to tell you this, that you are not in control, and that is a wonderful thing. Because the one who is has called you to do nothing but walk with those who are through in their messes. Here's where you start. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you that I love most in this building today need to hear this. And I'm saying it because um, this first one is for me. God is calling you to move towards a mess, not every mess. Some of you wives are poking your husband going, see, I told you we should be helping them and 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 we should be helping them. And, be helping them. and he's like, I, too many to help. Jesus is not calling you to go to all the messes. He's calling you to the mess in front of you. A mess, not every mess. I said at the beginning of this message today, if there's a, a moment that you feel guilt in the midst of the messes that are around you, it's not from God. And then I'd say this. There's many of you that are going, all right, I'll do that, but I've got to get my life figured out first. I, I'll get my own mess figured out because the last thing somebody needs is me bringing my mess into their mess, right? Absolutely wrong. Because from the beginning of time, God has been using messy people to love messy people. And every time 
A messy person loves, lives, and follows someone else going through a mess. They are doing the thing that God is doing in the world. They are partnering with him. So you want to be a part of what God's doing in the world? I can tell you what God is not doing in the world right now. He is not pointing at fingers who, at people who are li- not living the way you're living. He is not looking for th- separate things to separate us. God is moving towards messes, and he is redeeming them. And he is inviting you and I to take our messes, to clean them up as we go, and move towards the people in our life. Not to fix them, because that's his job, but to do life with them. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen in the town of Perrigan if this room right here, just the people that are in this room right here, if we decided it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, and I'll be out of control, but I'm going to start looking for the mess in my life. And I'm not going to give them the latest self-help book and take them through a mentoring session. And I'm not going to try to teach them how to become a better person. I'm going to lead them to the things that I'm growing with, and I'm just going to walk with them. And I'm going to choose to follow the example of Jesus and move towards the messes. One of the things that I think would happen is that it would start to change the way this community thinks about church. Do you know that there are 800 people? Am I pointing in the right direction? Paragon's that way? Dang it. Where's John Grenier? He always helps me. Oh, that's not bad. I didn't do too bad. There are 800 people sitting in their houses right now this morning. Many of them desperate for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And what's keeping them from it is churches full of people who are doing religious things. They see you. You need to know this. If you're a church person today and you've been here a long time and you've been in church for a while, you need to know the way they see you as a group of people who are going to a building to do something religious. What do they do over there? Well, they bust people there, and I know it's a good thing. They bust people over there, and then they get there, and they do religious things, and they put people on the bus, and they put them back into town. That's what they do. Well, Yeah, but what are they doing for the community? Well, you can get on a bus, and you can go there, and you can get food, and that's good. But you've got to get on their bus, and you've got to come over here, and, and then they do all these things, and we're the priests and the Levites in this story. We're walking away from the messes. Not because of, not just coming to church is a bad thing. That's not the problem. The problem is we're walking past the mess. We're walking past the individuals, the humans that are involved in these stories. And it will change the way this community sees the church. If we will move towards our neighbors, your neighbor in Paragon right now, who you would rather talk, to, uh, talk about on the phone than have a conversation with because you don't like the people that show up on Friday nights. Or you don't like the smells coming out of the house. You would much rather come to church and talk about it than walk across their yard and live in their mess. The last time the church changed the world, they didn't sit in a room like this. Do you know that? Changing the world from a, as, a, as a believer of Jesus, as a church, didn't happen in rooms. It happened in houses. It happened in front yards. It happened when people engaged in the mess. I wish I'd have heard this message when I was 15, 18. I think about your son today.
I wish, I wish somebody would have told me when I was baptized. I was baptized at age nine. I remember very little of it. I remember the water was really cold. It was at Gosport Christian Church. That's about all I remember. I wish somebody would have told me that day, you know what God's doing? This whole thing with you, it's not about memorizing the Bible. It's not about Sunday school. It's not about flannel graph because that's what it was about for me for a while. It's not about learning Bible stories. It's about becoming the kind of person that will say to God, not only yes, I will accept this gift that you've given me, but yes, I will do what you're doing in the world. I will engage with you and move towards the message. There's not been another church in my life. I've been in, I think I counted this morning, nine churches in my life. On staff in some way. Not been another church in my life who has done that as well as New Life Christian Church. Over and over and over, you have moved towards my mess. When we couldn't pay our bills, my wife and I. Some of you paid them. When I came in here broken, wasn't prepared to preach. And one Sunday I sat up here on a stool and I had not thought about what I was going to preach because my life was a mess. And you loved me and even a couple of you said, that's okay, <laughs> after I preached. You have walked with me through my messes. But it's easier with me because I'm a Jesus follower. Would you today, those of you who are close to Jesus today, would you take not advanced Christianity. This is not about taking the next step as a Christian. This is about becoming the kind of Jesus follower that followed Jesus immediately. This is about becoming the kind of Jesus follower that he meant when he said, the gates of hell will not stand against this church. Let me tell you this. When he said that, he said that to Peter, to a group of disciples. They were standing in front of this great big rock, and I've stood there, and man, it is scary. It's this huge cave, and it's this big opening. And at the mouth of this cave, they call it the Gates of Hades. That's what the, the people in the area call it. In fact, you can go there and you can visit today. They still call it the Gates of Hades. And you can stand against this rock. And Jesus looked at these guys and he said, you see this? Scary, isn't it? I want to do something in you, boys. And you disciples that nobody thought could do anything. You guys who everybody said you weren't much. You, all you were were fishermen. I want you guys to be the first ones to start a movement. Not that sit in orange pews in buildings. But that go out to the people in their lives. And don't walk away from messes. That don't step away because it's not convenient. Or because it's not comfortable. Or because they're not in control. But continue to move forward. When the rest of the world moves away, you move towards them. And if you continue to do that, boys, let me tell you. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not stand against it. So what he's calling you to do now is not post on Facebook, Lord, come quickly because the world's going to hell. What he's calling you to do is be the church that he made. That is the group of people that will stand, will walk across the other side of the road, and not just because they saw it, but because they've been looking for the mess. And let me tell you what it'll do for you. Here's what's in it for you. Those of you who are bored with your faith, you may end up finding yourself at a bail bondsman on some night, helping somebody out. You may end up talking to a policeman, holding somebody else's drugs. You may end up standing in a room full of high school kids 
with razor blade cuts all over their arms. But let me tell you what you won't do. You won't be bored. You won't wonder if God is who He says He is. You won't have to worry about praying because it's all you'll want to do. It's who God wants you to be. Band, you guys can come up. I've got to stop. I got a lot on my heart, on my mind today. I'm going to share with you later in our service, but I want you to know that if I've ever done anything in this pulpit that makes this harder than it is for you, I'm sorry. But following Jesus is this easy. It's saying yes to him and then engaging him with him over and over and over as he moves towards the messes in your life. We're going to sing this song. Um, I'm going to go back to the back. Um, I'd be glad to pray with you this morning, but this is just between you and God today. Anything I said today that moved you today to, to pray for someone, come right up to this stage. You can put your knees right on this stage and just pray. It's a good place to move forward. You know, I said move towards the mess. Sometimes that physical act is a really cool thing. And maybe today the first thing you need to do is pray that your heart changes for that person, that neighbor, that somebody in your life that you have written off, that you said they're too inconvenient, too uncomfortable, and too out of control for you to engage with. Maybe your first step today is to move towards the front of this building and say, God, change my heart. You don't have to be on these stairs. You can do it right where you are. See, when you move towards the mess, you're moving towards God. You feel far from God today? You feel distant from the Father today? You know how to get closer? Go where he's going. Look for the mess. 